Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. The Holy Gospel for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's Savior. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Y'all know I normally do not uh, preach from a fixed text, but um, because it's the annual meeting, uh, someday somebody might want to come back and read whatever it was that I'm about to say. This past year, we have lost several rocks in our community. Any one of them was a huge loss. Collectively, they were the backbones of the community, strong supporters of the church. They left holes in this community that are impossible to fill. And so this morning, we remember Connie Camp, Jack Bindler, Jeff Plummer, Aline McIntyre, Bill Deinhart, and Bob Lanier. Let us pray. Grant us with all who have died in the hope of the resurrection to have our communion and bliss in thy eternal and everlasting glory. And with Connie, Jack, Jeff, Aline, Bill, and Bob, and all thy saints, to receive the cross of life, which thou hast prepared for all who share in the victory of thy Son, Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. So recently, I've decided to rewatch Cheers. My pattern of watching through the office and then watching through the friends and then back to the office and then through friends just eventually got a little bit too predictable. And I said, well, there's more stuff on Netflix. <laughs> so there was an episode in the mid-80s in which the know-it-all and mailman Cliff Clavin has thrown his back out from delivering the Sears catalog. <laughs> I'm just curious, anybody here... Um, I mean, I'm sure you remember the Sears catalog. Anyone ever um, have a relative that bought a house from Sears? Right? You used to be able to like, buy a house from the Sears catalog, and it was delivered, and you constructed it. Well, I don't know if it's because sometimes I feel like the mid-'80s were just a few days ago, or it was just the realization of how dramatic the retail landscape has changed that I was surprised by the storyline of Cliff hurting himself from delivering the Sears catalog. The retail changes that surround us have left many businesses scrambling, trying to figure out how it is that they are to survive. Sears was once the most dominant name in retail 
and today it is barely surviving. There was an article a few years ago about Sears's turnaround attempt, and they did what many people do in times of panic. They look around and they see, well, what's everyone else doing? And they noticed that a lot of companies have adopted this loyalty program. So they said, well, that's it. You know, we'll just go and we'll get it a loyalty program. Now, when Sears did an autopsy, they found that they had made the sign-up of the loyalty program too complicated, and so very few people adopted this thing that was going to save them. So many of their most loyal customers decided not to participate in the loyalty program. But what they were told was is that their stores were dated. That when you went into a store, there was not an adequate number of salespeople to help you, and that many of their stores were beyond disrepair. Sears did what many of us do. We don't go and just look at the basics. They look for the silver bullet which would save them. And churches are not immune to this temptation. In Canoeing the Mountains, the author Todd Bolsinger was asked to consult with a church that was struggling with its student ministry. In previous years, the congregation had been known to have one of the strongest youth programs in their town. But over the years, involvement and participation had fallen. So Todd goes to meet with the leadership of the church, and he um, asks them, what have you tried or what have you done in response? And they told him, well, we brought back Youth Sunday, a Sunday where once a quarter the youth took over worship. They read, they provided music, they were the greeters. Sometimes they even offered the sermon. The congregation, the leadership remembered these youth Sundays as popular in years past. And surely bringing that back would reinvigorate youth ministry. But it didn't work. In fact, it had the opposite impact of their desire. Because as they talked to those who were involved in youth ministry or student ministry, they learned that the students were felt like they were sub-members, that they were brought out once every quarter to display and then told to go back to their part of the building. What they discovered was is that students have a deep want to contribute regularly to the church that they themselves see as a member, that they had a desire to grow spiritually, that they wanted a place where they could ask the deep questions that all of us struggle with. And they wanted a supportive community that would walk with them. The basics. The basics of prayer, worship, service, and welcome are what will sustain any community. This is a call this morning to remember the Christian practices that form and strengthen us. A call to the back to the basics. So let's take a moment and remember and reflect why it is that we exist. We exist to follow Jesus. Our world, much like the world the disciples experienced in the first centuries, is full of competing demands and loyalties. It is a world that is often spiritual but suspicious of religion, or at least the claims of a religion which says that theirs is more true than others. A world full of fear and violence, worry. And all of this is the world in which Jesus came to proclaim the good news, to save the lost and the forgotten. Those who think they have all their stuff together, they don't need a savior. They may want some self-help. They want, want some moral instruction. 
They may even desire community to help them feel good in times of sorrow. But those who think that they have their stuff together, they don't need a savior. But we as Christians proclaim that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Now, this is not a moment of shame. In today's reading from Nehemiah, uh, they open up the scriptures, right? They've come back to the land from exile. They open up the scriptures and they hear them and they begin to weep, right? Because they realize the ways in which they have failed. And, 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 and the response was not, oh, good, I'm so glad you're shaming yourself. No, it was get up. Wipe away your tears. Go have a feast. Your God loves you and forgives you. Episcopal Church in New York City, Calvary St. George, proudly proclaims, enjoy your forgiveness. But it is important that we recognize where the source of joy comes from. It comes from following Jesus. We exist to love people. In love and belonging, we search for purpose among our friends, family, and significant others. It's an external factor that is required for us to be able to even move forward in life. Love is not an abstract word, nor is it just simply warm, fuzzy feelings. We are reminded in 1 John chapter 4 that we love because he first loved us. The love and the grace that we show is the sharing of the love that has been shown to us first. We're reminded by John Mayer that love is a verb, it ain't a thing. It's not something you own. When you show me love, I don't need your words. Yeah, love isn't, ain't a thing. Love is a verb. Or as St. John may put it, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And we exist to change the world. One author wrote, you can't really grasp the full history of the 20th century and now the 21st century in terms of arts and literature without dealing with nihilism, this belief that there really is no meaning in life. Hemingway was one example of a writer from this nihilism genre. And he has a story called The Clean, Well-Lighted Place. His biographer, Kenneth Lynn, put it this way. He says, Hemingway embraced a pessimistic religious vision which stressed that human life was hopeless, that God was indifferent, and that the cosmos was a vast machine meaninglessly rolling into eternity. And a clay, clean, well-lighted place. Between the darkness, all we can hope for is a bit of light and a little dignity, and the only grace is acceptance. When the world of his own making crumbled and the light of his own um, artificial faded, Hemingway could see and feel only the darkness. Now, in many ways, this feeling of hopelessness, this feeling of darkness, is the way that many of us feel. If God is so good, then why is fill-in-the-blank happening? That many of us have this sense of doom or helplessness, and according to social scientists, it's this very feeling of helplessness that drives our addiction to rage that often exhibits itself upon social media and driving us into tribal identities by which we can feel morally superior to other people. But the way of Jesus is another option to the way of blaming and shaming that our world deals with. 
Todd Bolsinger puts it this way, ministry is not only the means to bring the gospel to the world, ministry together is how God makes a congregation into a corpse that is ready to continually bring the gospel in new ways to an ever-changing world. As missionaries who've been thrown together into unfamiliar surroundings, with little more than a sense of call and commitment to each other, when we love each other and are dedicated to our mission, we will change lives. Changing the world is not something we do apart from God. Changing the world is what God does, and we have been invited to join into this ministry of reconciliation. We have been given the the gift and baptism of rebirth into the church, the one body that Paul talked about in the reading from 1 Corinthians today. We are given the gift of the food of life of the body and blood of Jesus, which nourishes us and strengthens us. And we are reminded in it that we do not live this life alone. These are the basics. Follow Jesus. Love people. Change the world. If we devote ourselves to these things, then we will be the the most important thing we can do in God's kingdom, to be faithful. So we devote ourselves collectively and individually to following Jesus, to discipleship and being a student of Jesus, to loving people as Jesus loved them, the addict, the prostitute, the single mother, the poor, the broken, the wealthy, the ones who have given up on life. Jesus loved them and so must we. To change the world. Being a baptized person, according to Rowan Williams, means that we are pushed into the middle of a human situation that may hurt us, that will not leave us untouched or unsullied. And the gathering of baptized people is therefore not a convocation of those who are privileged, elite, and separate, but those who have accepted what it means to be in the heart of the needy, to be contaminated by a messy world, to put it together so you don't have to go into the waters of the Jordan without stirring up a great deal of mud. Being a disciple of Jesus in many ways is not difficult. It's worshiping, praying, reading the scriptures, gathering together, serving others, welcoming the stranger, Exhibiting grace and forgiveness and mercy in the world. And yet those very things are the most challenging things. Because our world preaches a different way. And we must be people who are willing to be light in the world. Because our world needs it. Our world demands it. They just don't know where to go look for it. i leave you with this last thing. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus... Please, don't be a jerk. (laughs) Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.